Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to, um, I guess this is the third to the last installment of Reading the Stone. And we're not um, we're not zooming from Duke the way we normally do. We're zooming from Minneapolis. Um, and um, so welcome. And I think we'll have a really good conversation about sort of the the it's not the beginning of the end, really. It's it's kind of the the middle of the end of of the novel. And earlier, early on, um, a couple of weeks ago, someone said that the ending of the novel sort of feels like the last season of a TV show where there are all kinds of things um, to be wrapped up. And I, as I'm rereading these sections, I I do I do think of that. Um, I have a set of questions, but but before I go into those, do do any of you have um, burning issues that you would like to talk about that you'd like to be sure that we talk about? Yes, Stephanie. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter that the um, the question of justice, I think, at this point really is interesting to me. And um we're, I think we're set up as readers to want to excuse it throughout the novel and to, you know, be entertained by the bad behavior and sometimes shocked and disappointed. Um, but I think, and, and if somebody feels differently, please say so. But, you know, we're we're kind of saying to ourselves here, okay, well, let the elders get away with whatever they did in the past, because it's better for the younger people who we, we adore. Um, but, you know, I think at this point we, we might say, okay, if we're going to think about this objectively and that's always hard when we have these attachments, is there justice here? And, um, are we satisfied with it? Or do we think that the Ja family is being wronged by the system or, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, I think that that's a great question. I mean, is <laughs> Is justice being served at the end? I mean, what do what do people think? And you know, the, 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 the this is this is not an answer to that. But when when you're you're talking about the young people whom we adore at the very several times during the novel, but at the very end, Granny. Ja does say um the failure the the failure is the failure to ins properly instruct the younger the younger people um i mean i the the marriage fate is preordained by the by the you know by the the stone and the flower but i'm not so sure that from the very beginning the the fall of the of the house of jah is so clearly outlined um and i i i sort of had the intention this morning to go back and and check but you know how how those intentions are so i think i mean i think that that there that 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 so the question I think the question the question of of justice is a 
is a really is a really interesting question and it's it's a different kind of question than how do we feel about the fact that Baoyu and Daiyu didn't get together. I mean Baoyu and Daiyu are not going to get together because that's foreordained. Um I mean so what I'll stop talking and let somebody else talk. What what do people think about Stephanie's suggestion? I do think it's interesting with the author change and maybe, um, you know, the second half of the novel having a more depiction of bureaucracy, more depiction of the inner government workings. I mean, I'm not sure that, that there's justice or injustice per se as, you know, a pretty clear de- depiction of both the system itself, the arbitrariness of that system and who wins and who loses in the system. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I I think it's an interesting depiction of, you know, just the consequences of existing in that society in that moment of time at a certain level of status. Mm -hmm, mm There are a number of things that cause the raid on the household. And I mean, one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting is um, they're they are charged with having clothing that is not appropriate, that violates the sumptuary regulations. But then somebody says, oh, well, you know, those are probably for the for the the imperial concubine. But I mean, you know, there are there are rumors and there are there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. But I think in some ways, one, the core offense is lending money at illegally high rates and financial irregularities. And and there's a way in which Jialian is kind of charged with being guilty of that, even though the reader knows and he says he's not paying. I mean, he hasn't paid any attention to that. Granny Jia isn't paying any attention to that. I mean, that is all that is all Wang Shifeng. And we know we know throughout the novel that she's engaging in shady activities. Um, but but I think, I mean, I think there is a way in which um that I mean the the collapse, the collapse um that the collapse is in some ways due to her machinations is is interesting and 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 maybe maybe sort sort of a surprise. I was trying to add up the math because I think there was <laughs> a note that it said something like they lost sixty thousand tails, and yeah. then when grandmother Jot was handing out her, you know, three thousand here, three thousand here, I was trying to figure out <laughs> what the balance was. Well, you know, I mean. So they're completely broke. They're destitute. They they have no money. They have no funds. It's you know, and and then Granny Jag goes to her private stash, and the and her private stash is is quite. Um, it, it, I mean, it's not really enough to make everything all right, but it's it's sort of amazing. And I think 
you know, I mean, I think that's that is really interesting. And you know, the 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 money that a woman brings with her into a dowry is her money. And and you know, you read in eulogies that this woman was so virtuous that when her children were starving, she sold jewels from her dowry <laughs> to feed them. You know, it's sort of like, well, yeah, that may be virtuous behavior, but it's kind of you know, you'd kind of expect it. So I, I mean, I think, and I, I think then, you know, the question of um, the, the two houses, are they together or are they not? And it, it turns out that they never had a legal division of household, which, which ends up making, which ends up making things, um, things complicated, but yeah, no, I think, um, that that that's a very interesting point when when Granny Ja um, not only has clothing and things like that, but um, but money and the list the list of things they confiscated. I mean, it goes on for pages and pages. Um, the amount the amount of of stuff they they confiscated. Yes, Steve. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure about the is, issue of, of justice, but um, I think that to what you were saying, Anne, a few minutes ago, uh, sort of Grandma Jaw's comments towards the end of the novel really loops back to to chapter two, where this you know interesting merchant by the name of Lung Zixing, uh speaking to mm-hmm. Chao Yuzun gives gives our gives the reader a sort of summary of the yeah. st- status of the family, and in that passage he says that there are two. And this is right at the beginning of the novel. There are two major problems uh, with the family, uh, with the household. And and uh, number one is they, they can't bring themselves to economy, economize or make any adjustment in their accustomed style of living. And then the second, this reminds me of what you just said about uh, Grandma Jia, they're not able to turn out good sons. Yeah, yeah. And that, that I think, kind of forecasts right at the beginning yeah. uh, the you know, the basic problems that are going to lead to the collapse of the family. Right, right. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's really, that's really true. So, so there is a, there is a way in which we're set up for the collapse, but, um, but But the the particular events of the collapse or something, that's another matter. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. No, I think, I think those are, those are really, those are really good points. Um, Does anyone uh, I mean, I, um, I I think it is a kind of I, I'm not sure justice is the absolute perfect word, but um, but Shi Feng, I mean, Shi Feng is punished for what she does, not just I mean, you know the she loses her possessions and and she dies and and um and you know jajung jajung sort of makes out semi okay um and the the jasha is the person who's who's really who's really punished um and you know, I mean, I think in some ways it's Jajung's, um, I don't know, sort of his bullheaded virtue that that got him in trouble when he was a magistrate um, saves him. And so, um, okay, Kate, Kate has good information 
on on um on sea otter pelts um so she says um in the 1750s a single sea otter pelt was worth enough to provide the russian who brought it back to asia with a house and a living and that was before the middleman sent selling it to a chinese family the ones on the list would have probably been equally valuable at Cao's childhood was the time they were going extinct. So um yeah, the the items on so that's 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 good information. Thank you, Kate, about the um the 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 value of of some of the, the things on on the list. Um I mean transferring those um, converting the items on the list to to money may have been hard. I mean, if a sea otter pelt is worth that much, how are you going to find somebody to 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 bring it to 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 buy it? Um, but yeah, the I mean, at the very end, they still have they're broke and they still have all of these all of these valuable things. Um, I wonder if. Um... One way of looking at justice, I, I'm thinking of the justice systems in the novel, the the sort of formal, the, the court system in the Shui Pan case on the one hand, and the sort of imperial um, power and discipline system that brings the uh, uh, the attack on the Jia Mansion on the other hand. Um, and they're, they're both, I wouldn't, it's not a satire of the Qianlong era uh, Qing dynasty justice system, but maybe it's a very realistic look. There are systems of negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, who has the power and the authority, partly moral authority, but more like <laughs> power and position and wealth to negotiate through these justice systems, apply money where necessary, or uh, to get the outcomes that favor your party. Not mm-hmm. unlike the Xi Jinping system today where attacks on corruption are to target enemies and things like that. The Shui Pan case has these limits though, right? No matter how much money and influence the family can bring, he's a scoundrel and yeah. has done an irredeemable crime. So there's kind of a, an end limit to that. The attack on or the invasion of the mansion is quite much more complicated. And there's, if this is part of what's going on, um, this kind of thinking about status working through a justice system, then the Jia family has lost substantial clout status, which allows this attack. But then the status allies, Jia Zheng's righteousness, mm-hmm. the Qianlong Emperor's infinite wisdom, which is mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, has to be in the novel, brings a resolution again to the Jeff family that is going to sort of restore a balance. Mm-hmm. I'm not it, sure. It, yeah, it doesn't restore them to their former glory, but, but um, you know, I mean, at one point, one of the things that is probably Grandmother Jia who's worried about it, I, I can't really remember who's worried about what, but the confiscation of the, the hereditary title, and it's taken away from Jia but it's given to Jia Zheng. And that, I mean, and, and in a sense, so in a sense, he does benefit from the scandal attaching to his, his brother. And that actually answers a question that somebody asked a long time ago that even why you couldn't answer. And that was whether or not 
um, Jajung went through the civil service examination or whether he got his uh, position by hereditary title. And I think the fact that he doesn't get the hereditary title till the end of the novel suggests he did go through the examination system. Um, something else in the chat. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, Stephanie, at the end of the day, I don't think this... I don't think this shouldn't have happened to a great family, and it was mostly their own fault. The system isn't isn't that draconian. Yeah, there, <laughs> there, there were there. I mean, I, yeah. Um, the I mean, I the financial what what Shifong does um, with financial manipulations and, and things like that really, really is, really is quite, really is quite dreadful. Um, um, I just want to comment on the uh, Shifong part, what happened to her. Um, in the end, you know, yes, she was managing the uh, the day-to-day -day, uh, household basically the operation management kind of role she, that she was in. Um, but also a lot of times it feels like she was being treated as the sacrificing lamb in the end um, because she personally made some of decisions, but also she was part of the system, part of the household. And there were things that she tried to rely on the, the older upper generation senior people in the family. And she was basically not supported per se. They, they just, they pushed responsibilities to her. And then in the end, of course, she made some decisions. Some of them are bad. And she took some of the money into her own pocket and all that. But in the end, she was, the, the, she's the one dead in the end. Um, so she was the sacrifice. Yeah. You know, at one point, um, and I didn't write down what chapter, but it is one of the ones we, we read for today. Um, Granny Jia tells Shifeng that, that the whole business of the corruption was started by men. And I thought, and I thought that was interesting. I mean, it, 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 it may be, I mean, I don't know that we have any evidence of that, but it is clear that, I mean, that, that there that there was no oversight, that there was no attention. And even, I mean, even, even, even Granny Jia wasn't paying attention. I mean, it, you know, the very, in the chapters that we read, um, she, she does, and somebody posted on Twitter, sort of the, the late, the late awakening financial responsibility. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Elena says, how could the cleverest daughter-in-law in the world make kanji without rice? Yeah. That she, she somehow got to find, got to find resources. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think, I think she is, she is put in a position where she has to find money to continue to continue to enable the family to live beyond their means and um usury seems to be the the way that she's chosen that she's chosen to do it um 
so anybody wanted anybody want to talk any more about 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 justice? I mean, I think there is a kind of a a circling around of I mean, we don't see the rise of the family. We see the the high family and then and then and then the fall. Um so so um one of you, and I, I actually can't I can't remember who, especially since some of your Twitter names are not the same as your real names. Um, but somebody said that they they were really happy to see that grandmother Jia got one last final party, that Bao Chai's birthday party. So what what do you what do you what what kind of things are going on at that party? What's going on there? It was interesting because it was, and it was my comment, but it it was a nice party, remembering the parties at the beginning, um, remembering when Dayu first showed up and the parties in the garden. It was nice to have that kind of endpoint and that closure, but it was certainly an awkward party. I think there were a couple of notes about Shifeng not being funny anymore. And, right. you know, it, it, it was both the you know, a, a nice echo, but also a broken echo. Yeah, no, I think, I think broken echo is a great term. I mean, it, it remind it reminds us of what was and it isn't anymore. And then Baoyu wanders off. Baoyu leaves the party. And, and he, and he, um, he goes to Dayu's. He's looking for Dayu's ghost, and and he doesn't find it. And I, I mean, I think that that the, I mean, Dayu is absent, but she's a very present absence. I think that one of the things that is going on, and then going on there, and then you know, he sleeps in the outside room for a night and sleeps really well. And then, you know, he tries to summon the ghost and then um, he, you know, he has this thing with, um, with Fivey who reminds him of Sky Bright. And I think that, you know, in a, in a way what is happening there is, I mean, he is sort of erotically reawakened by a woman who isn't the woman he desires, but reminds him a bit of it. And it's it's probably the very next night or very soon after that, that the marriage is consummated and and Bao Chai becomes pregnant. And I I mean, I almost wonder that. Um, the the failure to find the ghost of Dayu, whether that in a sense kind of represents a kind of closure. I mean, and not that he forgets her or anything like that, but it then enables him to actually be a husband of sorts to Bao Chai. And I, I guess I wonder what people think of that. Somebody's put something in the chat that Oh, yes, there is a horrible quote 
about about child grafting values attention for Dayu onto her. And it, there, I mean, there there is a way in which Bao Chai, um, I mean, Bao Chai is active in doing that. I mean, I think she she sort of feels like she, I mean, it's manipulative, but I think she kind of feels like she she needs to do it. Um, I I mean, I, I sort of what what do the rest of you think of that? In in the Yang translation, and this isn't the first time, but the, the narrator calls Bao Yu a simpleton. Oh, um, uh-huh. because he's so flighty about his own attractions, and um, I, I don't know if that's a translation issue. But you know, w- what does simpleton mean? It means you know he's not too bright, and um, it's it's this constant reflection on Bao Yu's character and. Yeah. Well, I I think that it may be that there are also points where Hawks uses words like simpleton. Um, when you know when he loses his jade for the first time, and um, becomes very very ill, um, and you know mutters nonsense and things like that. I I, I think that that words like simpleton really, really are, really are used. And I, I mean, I think, I think that Bao, that Bao Chai is in a sense worried that not only is she married to a man who's in love with another woman, but she's married to a man who sort of has flights of idiocy. I mean, where, you know, where he loses his right mind for whatever reason. I mean, maybe it's because of, of, you know, unrequited, well, of a passion that for Dayu, or maybe it's maybe it's just because he's always been a little bit strange. But I think, you know, I mean, I think that, um, you know, she never that that. Well, we said this. I think we've said this before. But that marriage is not it. it it's not a good thing for her. It's not. It's not a happy ending for her either. Um. Well, and if that generation failed, might as well get working on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe, maybe skip a generation. Well, you know, I, I yeah. Um. Um. I. It's been a long time since I've looked at any of the sequels, and and maybe some of you have looked at sequels more recently than I have, but I had a note in the margin of the book where, I mean, Jia Jung comes across pretty well in these last chapters. I think, you know, it's a long, um, a long distance from the man who nearly beat Bao to death. And, and I, my note says that this sort of serves to set up the way Jia Jung is sort of portrayed as a savior of the family in, in some of the sequels. And so, I mean, I think, I think um, the, the last time we talked, um, I think there were, we, we talked a lot about Jia Jung and, and, and people were even becoming fond of Jia Jung. And I think 
I think we we do we do see that. And I see there's another um, another chat. Um, okay, this would read very differently if there weren't an acceptance of polygamy. It seems okay that Baoyu likes Daiyu, Five Year Aroma, and Bao Chai simultaneously because everyone else has multiple wives. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, yeah, acceptance of polygamy and also the idea that, um, that a man has sexual access to his maids. Um, and I mean, Fivey Fivey resists, but you know, Aroma doesn't resist. I mean, Aroma Aroma understands that. Um, I mean, I think the phrase that Hawks uses and um, is that she understood that when she was given to Baoyu, she was given to Baoyu in every possible sense, and that you know. Um, but but Fivey is um, you know Fivey has heard that um that the lady wong um got rid of maids that maids that um flirt with Yu get in trouble and so fivey has a a different um a different uh no, notion of of virtue yeah um richard says jalong seems to be the future of the of the family um yeah Maybe maybe he is, um, or you know maybe the family doesn't have a future. Well, I think Jalan. Um, I don't remember if it's in this version or most likely in other different versions, because uh, there are so many different versions to finish the book uh, over the years. Um, but he was supposed to pass the exams and get whatever the glory back. For the family, uh huh. So ultimately, he was the hope for the family in different versions. Again, yeah. Well, of course, you know, Baoyu. I mean, one of the ironies is that then you know at the. At, I mean, I, this is probably not a spoiler because everybody knows how the novel ends. But you know, Baoyu passes the civil service exams and then goes off to become a monk. I mean, it's sort of like he achieves what everybody wanted but not at the right time and not in the way um he wanted it and so he i mean he leaves he leaves behind a pregnant wife you know and and sort of and what kind of ending is that um yes not not only does he pass the exam to continue the spoiler alert but i think he passes number seven yeah. On the exam and his uh his writing as you know the, the emperor even wants to see his his uh writing samples, which are considered a sort of model. I mean, I, I've always found it a bit strange, uh, even humorous, that this is a, a, a young man who's sort of messing around, not studying at all, until you know. A, Shortly before the exam, he sort of sees the light, studies a little bit, and finishes number seven. Just uh-huh, making some yeah. little comment yeah. about this, this this young man's extraordinary brilliance. And and Jalan is something like also passes, which is noteworthy, but something like a hundred and something, quite far down the list uh, compared to to Baoyu. So um, mm-hmm. so you have this this uh, kind of notion that Baoyu could have been the savior of the family, right? 
right, right. Uh, passing that high, but uh, it chooses instead to wander away. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that that's right. That 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 and there's a way in which that ending really does sort of underscore the pathos because if he had if he had made different choices, he had. He had well. He sort of had the. He's like one of these people who has the capacity to do anything, and he chose. Um, you know, he he chose to he chose to read and write poetry rather than study the Confucian classics. That's probably a choice many of us could get behind. Um, but um, but he, yeah, he. I think that's. I think that that's that's really that's really the case. But one might argue that it's Dalan's way of creating, manufacturing this happy ending for our main character, <laughs> putting all the hope on him. <laughs> putting all the hope on Jalon, yeah. Who no, 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 uh, on Bao Yu. On Bao Yu. Yeah, even though he never studied, but he did whatever, you know, scored yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I apologize, you know, too. I think I, 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 I think instead of saying Bao Yu, I said Jia Yu. I don't know why that came from, but anyway. Um, but you know, I mean, I guess we're, we're, we're now, we're now deep into talking about the ending ending, but, um, his success in the exams, because he goes off and doesn't come home, doesn't really benefit the family. I mean, I think it 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 validates him, but but I think I I don't think it really validates the family. And I I I mean I guess one of the things that we'll probably argue about next week and probably the week after is whether or not it's a happy ending. And I I I think it maybe is an ending that has all the loose ends tied up, but I don't think it's a happy ending. Um, uh, so in the chat, Richard says, so maybe the Jialan story is supposed to be a kind of contrast. Lee Wan throughout is the most conventional figure, um, the virtuous widow. Jialan's success is a reward for her behavior. Yeah, I mean, Lee Wan, Lee Wan is, Lee Wan, um, I mean, she's, she's not as fully fleshed out as some of the other women, but um, she, yeah, I mean, she's virtuous. She's smart. She's witty, um, and and she, her virtue is very important. I mean, she is she is the widow of the man who could have saved the family, um, and he he died early. And I mean, and Jia Jung at a couple of places actually pretty much flat out implies that the wrong kid died you know that that he really mourns the loss of um of his elder son so so um yeah i mean that jalon is the descendant of the person who could have saved the family and so you know i mean this conversation that we're having now really does show why dozens upon dozens of people wrote sequels to the novel you know it's sort of like what what is going to happen next we you know we're not there's there's uh there's still there's still these people here whose lives we need to talk about and stephanie says um um 
this reminds me of the point someone made very early on, Val use a stone and die use a blade of grass. So we can't have any large worldly expectations of either. So the family's ultimate fate isn't their responsibility. I, you know, I, um, that there may be, well, there are at least two stories going on. And I guess it's interesting to think about whether the marriage, the relationship between the marriage story and the decline of the House of Jah story. Um, and I'm not sure that, I mean, the the relate value is deeply implicated in both stories, but I'm I'm um that it may be that the that what we know from the framing at the beginning is that the obsession between the stone and the flower, the stone and the grass is going to be all consuming and value isn't going to be able to really do anything else, which then connects it to the, to the other story. But um I mean, you know, one of the things that's really clear about Dayu, and I think one of the reasons that no one considers her a possible wife is Dayu could not manage a household. I mean, it turns out that Shi Feng couldn't manage a household either. It just looked like she could. Um, um, but yeah. It, one of the things that um, somebody mentioned early on, and it it may be, I can't remember when it was mentioned. Um, it was probably after most people had left the garden and the garden was empty and was sort of haunted the way the garden, the garden, which had been this wonderful um, you know, idyllic space became evil and haunted. I think that in in these chapters, um, I mean, but everybody is afraid of the garden. And I think that um, you know, there's there is the the very real possibility in people's imaginations that that Dai's ghost is is in the garden and when you know when when Bao Yu ends up wandering toward her house, Aroma gets scolded for for taking him there or allowing him to go there. So I mean, I think you know we this isn't this clearly isn't the first time we've seen it, but I think we've seen kind of a basically a you know what what once was this lovely space cordoned off from reality has really turned into um, a space of of danger and and even and even evil, which I thought was really pretty interesting. Um, a statement that I saw in chapter one hundred seven that actually I, I wrote I had written in the margins. This is just nonsense. Is it says it, it talks about values response to the um, to the the um, confiscations, and it said that Baoyu had no experience of real suffering, and 
it just seemed to me that was a nonsensical statement because I think that when Dayu died, Baoyu suffered. Um, and I, I, I think that probably what, I mean, what the level at which Baoyu had no experience of suffering, he had no experience of material deprivation or status deprivation. But I think um, I think that he he there were ways in which he he had he had suffered. Um, so we have another chat. Um, uh, yeah, Elena. Okay, Elena um, says I didn't really think very much about Jaju's death. Wonder if that played into values being stuck in adolescence. Would be interesting to reread as a story. Um, of family grief loss. Is that why no one is paying attention to details of daily life? Elena, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, and it was interesting because maybe I just tagged right onto your comment about value not experiencing suffering, right? Even, you know, when you think about just the side comments about the wrong son died or, you know, anybody who's lost a sibling or anybody who's lost a child, like that is incredibly shattering to family yeah. dynamics and especially an eldest son or the son that was expected to take over the responsibilities for the household. Yeah. And so maybe even if it's not talked about a lot, um, surely that is having an impact on the whole family or, you know, and, and especially, you know, younger siblings and, and what that absence means for their lives. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, one of the things that, and, and I'm just sort of kind of um, rephrasing what you said, one of the things you could say is that Baoyu never took on the responsibilities of the eldest son. And then one could say Baoyu never imagined himself as the eldest son, because in fact, the fact that Li Wan lives there and Jalan is there, there's a way, there is a way in which um, Jaju's presence doesn't go away. I mean, so, I mean, and so what you, what you said in the chat about, um, about Jaju's early death, um, maybe being responsibility, um, in, um, uh, it, that he didn't, that, that he was stuck in adolescence. It, I think, I mean, I, I, I think it, I think it would be, it would be interesting to to read this um to, to read this as a family drama that sort of um i mean it doesn't ignore the marriage plot but that sort of puts the marriage plot secondarily and to sort of think think about to think about all of the complicated ways in which value exists in this family so i think that was a that was a really good point. I mean, Bao Yu was definitely overly protected by his mother and grandmother. Right. Because when Jia Zheng was beating him, right. his mother came up to protect him. You know, my older son died. Therefore, I need to give my life to protect this younger one. We can never take this one away from me. You know, something like that. What, what right, she said. Right. And I then have, I yeah. only have one, and and you can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and also the fact that they 
you know, Grandma Jout let him live in the garden with the girls, it is a way to protect him, you know, treat him like as, as a little kid that, you know, he's, he's the only one left and therefore, you know, he's just going to stay whatever we want him to stay, um, you know, as, as a little kid to protect him. Yeah. Well, you, you know, at the very end with the raid, when all of the men are rounded up, value isn't there. And I mean, I, I think, you know, that, I mean, that's sort of a, a way of identifying who are the men in the family and, and you know, who is guilty and who is going to get blamed. But and I actually I, I I just wrote in my notes, um he he isn't he's not there. I didn't I didn't write down where he was. But I think, you know, I mean, I think that that there is a way in which um, he excludes himself from and is excluded from the world of men. We've got a whole bunch of um, of chats here. Um, interesting, very interesting. Um, so, yeah, so Stephanie, I was a political aide to Ted Kennedy when he had the tough re-election campaign. Um, going back to U.S. political history, it was his eldest brother, Joe, being groomed for a political career, not John or Robert or Ted. That's really, that's, re- that's really, that's really interesting. Um, that, um, do you want to say any more about that? Um, the, the way Granny Ja, you know, during her whole life, the way she keeps her family together and maintains that public face, uh, even when there's chaos going on that she doesn't know about, that is very much a Ted Kennedy type position. He had to do the same thing. I think he did it well when he was alive. And now that he's gone, you see the Kennedy family arguing amongst each other in public and the media and the press would not have happened when he was alive. So, you know, the whole idea of the decline of great families, I've seen a little bit of that on the inside and how it affects our fates as you know, a democratic society, I think, is another question. You know, having somebody like Ted Kennedy to be your senator, that's a massive amount of clout. And he got things done that aren't happening right now. And the people who replaced him don't have the same clout um, as he did. But, yeah, it's that taking on those personal burdens and the political burdens it, it reminds me of Granny Ja very much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, that's that that is really that is really that is really interesting. I mean, it would it would be fun for you to write a little article about that. I mean, that sort of that um um you know, um how my experience as a political aide to Ted Kennedy influenced my reading of <laughs> the Red Chamber. But of course, when you talk about when you talk about it that way, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, that complicated and tragic personal life and a and a and a strong and a strong public life and then when when the leaders are gone the next the next generation sort of disperses and and the and and there's nobody in the senate who can do quite what he did yeah or there yeah yeah that's that's really really interesting um Uh, so Shelley, to what extent is the novel not at all a Bildungsroman, a coming into maturity story of value? Does he change at all, develop? Is he static until he walks out to fulfill his inner destiny? Well, Shelley, 
do you, do you have you do you have an answer to that? Well, I guess I, I mean not at all, but um, <laughs> it's right a standard Western novel of a hundred years later and on is um, a main character with flaws and brilliance. We start there, who goes through terrible suffering. We do that, but then. So something happens to him. Um, he turns into uh, a richer, more developed person whose potential, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, value is built. That could be with the story of the family, the op, the anti-Bildungsroman. It's a mature, rich family that falls apart. But as an individual, it means value has this inner potential to transcend the world. And then this shell around it of trying to exist in the world. And it's kind of a struggle between those two things. And he doesn't, the, the shell doesn't sustain him or support him and maybe breaks and cracks. And then what's left is this kind of pure pearl that floats away. That's not at all uh, a story of, of uh, our Western story of uh, development of human potential at all, is it? Yeah. I. What do some other people think about that? I mean, you, if I, I, I don't actually, um, I don't actually disagree with you, but I, I, I may want to argue with you for a minute. Um, it seems to me that whether or not you think Bao has come to an understanding of, you know, the nature of life and suffering and all of that depends upon how you regard the the ending where he goes off and becomes a monk um and we're not really brought into the nature of his understanding i mean i i like the way you put it that he's sort of this pearl who floats off and um so yeah i and i think we we do keep i mean you know, as Western readers, we do keep, we do expect, we do expect our characters to grow up <laughs> and, and he, he doesn't quite. Yeah. I, th- I think it's not a Bildungsroman. And I, I mean, the, the reading group that Y.E. and, and Eileen are in, I'm not in, but I think one of the things that irritates them about that group is that they're they're irritated by all the, the things that people say this novel is not. And, you know, sort of like, you know, people read it for what it <laughs> for the wonderful novel is. But I don't I don't think we see a lot of development and and change of characters in the novel. I think it, it's um it's not uh uh uh, okay, so Elena says Shelley's going to send me back off to read Hermann Hesse again. And Steph, yeah, Stephanie says values feels mostly static to me, at least before the exam. And there, there are others. Um, yeah, and Richard said already. Um, almost 10 minutes ago on value and suffering. There's also the death of Chin Zhong. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, um, value that, that it, it may be is physical deprivation and, um, and that, and sort of chaotic catastrophe that he's never, he's never experienced, but he's experienced the, the deaths of people who were, um, who are very, very close to him. Um, 
Um, as far as the Baoyu character development, um, this is exactly why there are so many endings for the book. <laughs> Everybody can have a different theory how you should end. And uh, at the same time, if we consider this book is the author's autobiography, then we know what's going to happen to him. <laughs> He's going to write a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know this, but I suspect that, that, I mean, it's not uncommon that there be sequels to Chinese novels, but I don't think any novel has had the number of sequels that this novel does. And I really think that the reason for the sequels is readers are unsatisfied with the ending. I mean, you know, sort of like, okay, what happens next? You know, he goes off and, and, and what, and what happens and what happens next. And I think I mentioned this earlier, of course, that there's a, there's a real problem because if you regard the love triangle as the center of the story, then you have to somehow bring Dayu back to life. And some of the sequels do that. And um, a number of the sequels have the happy ending be that Baoyu marries both of them. And I think that actually that shows in some ways, um, it, in some ways how subversive the novel is. I mean, that, that and we've talked about this earlier, that that is not, I mean, that would be, um, that that is that is legally and ritually and morally possible. It's just not possible given the characters of those two young women. And that the characters of those two young women kind of dictate how it will be played out, I think is is pretty interesting and um and and is is sort of is sort of subversive and the you know the the um the sequels you know he's passed the exam and there's a nice family life and he has two wives and every, you know it's 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 um i mean i i shouldn't generalize cuz there are there are a lot of different sequels but plus um, plus uh you know is is Baoyu and one of the men in the prison made the comment uh who happens to be Muslim was talking about polygamy among the Muslims and the challenge of the male fulfilling the law that exists there, that each woman be treated precisely equally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can you imagine Baoyu? I mean, <laughs> trying to satisfy a requirement like that. I mean, I think the problem is not just could Daiyu and Bao Chai get along, mm-hmm. but it's could, could Baoyu really negotiate uh, a relationship of that type? I'm rather skeptical. Yeah. Well, yes, I I think, and, and he, you know, he probably wouldn't even try. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, he wouldn't even try. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And no, the victim would be Bao Chai. The, and the victim would the victim would be Bao Chai. Um, okay. Um, uh, yeah, and Richard says a Zen enlightenment in an instant does fit our literary expectations. I mean, I think that I think I think that's right. Um, so it, it's maybe not a bildungsroman, but a but an an enlighten an enlightenment roman that that uh, and I think there are a lot of people who do accept that as a happy ending. I mean, he's you know he's satisfied his civic obligations for the civil service exam. He's proven he can do that. 
He's not becoming a monk because he's failed at that. He's becoming a monk because he's he's seen some kind of of higher truths. And it's interesting, isn't it? This kind of fallback position all through the novel, at least several times in the novel, when he gets really frustrated, is I'm going to become a monk. Right. And and a couple of the sisters say at times, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become, I'm gonna become a nun. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. And when die, you say in a couple of places where she refers to her death, he says, "Well, when you die, I'll become a I'll become a monk." Become a monk. Yeah. In a way, he's realizing what he's been threatening all along. Well, that, yeah, that's that's that that's actually maybe a a, a plot clue as to what's <laughs> as what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I think uh, in a week we will go back to to normal. We'll go back to the Duke Zoom, and both Eileen and Ye will be here. Um, it's as always been a whole lot of fun and thank you. Thank you all for coming. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.